1: It is a brand new hour here on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for tuning in every weekday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Our website, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is always free. Joining us now is U.S. Senator Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah. And Senator, it's great to have you back. Thank you, Guy. Good to be with you. Well, you've been speaking your mind on the Senate floor quite a lot in these last few weeks. Some things have been said by the president that seems to have irked you. And one of those things was uttered down in Georgia last week, cut 24.
2: At consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis?
1: He was asked about that. At his press conference yesterday, I know that you take great exception to the words that he used, as have other Republicans and also some Democrats. He was unhappy with the question being asked of him yesterday and insisted that you and others have it all wrong. That's not what he did. He wasn't making those comparisons. Cut 23. You campaigned
0: and and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or or George Wallace, but you said that they would be sort of in the the same camp.
2: No, Uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. You have to speak from your heart as well as your head.
1: Senator Romney, he's saying he didn't really say those things, and he was just really arguing that you would be on the side of those segregationists and traitors, but not really akin to them. Does that response and distinction satisfy you? I'm having a hard
0: time uh, finding a difference in that distinction he's describing. If one were to say, uh, you know, if you do the following thing, you're on the side of Vladimir Putin. I think it's a pretty clear indication that you're <laughs> that you're not lining up with American values. And to say to someone, uh, because you don't support the bill that I support, uh, you're on the side of Bull Connor. Uh, and Jefferson Davis, that's, that's uh, and George Wallace, that, that's a pretty clear indication of uh, well that, that someone is awful and 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 that's a, and racist and that's obviously unfortunate. It's where the president went, uh, and uh, I can see he's trying to squirm out of it, but unfortunately he did it and it was highly offensive to a lot of people.
1: Is this the same Joe Biden who said this about you and Paul Ryan back in 2012? Cut 48. I remember this.
2: Look at what they value and look at their budget and what they're proposing. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain
1: Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. I'm sure you remember that as well, Senator. Does he have this kind of propensity to race bait when he feels like he's backed into a corner?
0: Well, that was clearly a uh, rhetorical flourish that got him in real trouble and and was across the line. Uh, I'm sure he recognizes that. And, and, you know, from time to time, he will do that. And, and, you know, when it's politics and you're attacking the other side, it's unfortunate. But what we saw yesterday was he uh, he went down a couple of roads that had serious foreign policy consequence and may result in dramatic uh, impact on American interests and on the interests of our allies. Uh, and, and so he gets wound up uh, and, and says things that are uh, really quite damaging. And I think in the case of what he said about uh, people being racist, if you will, that, uh, or, or suggesting we're in that camp, that that hurt his effort. I think likewise what he said about Ukraine uh, and Vladimir Putin and Russia, those things hurt us as well.
1: Yeah. And speaking of that, let's listen to the quote that really got the most attention, at least on the foreign policy front. Quote, minor incursion. This was cut 19. And
2: so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, etc. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine.
1: If it's just a minor incursion, then there might be a fight within NATO, he said, about what to do. How did you interpret that?
0: Well, it's it's hard to interpret it other than uh, suggesting that Vladimir Putin can do some things uh, with his troops uh, and uh, that those will be uh, not met by as stern a response as if he does others. And uh, that's not a message you want to give someone that has over 100,000 troops lined up on the border as well as uh, extraordinary firepower. So it is unacceptable to uh, interfere in the sovereignty of a uh, neighbor just because you're stronger. And that's what Vladimir Putin is threatening to do. So he should have made that very, very clear. He did not. He, he, you know, loved the man for his heart and his goodness, but he he does get himself in trouble with some of the things he says. And in this case, uh, he not only got himself in trouble, he clearly got Ukraine in trouble, got our allies in trouble, and got America and our interests in trouble. And it's it's terribly damaging and um, and very unfortunate.
1: On the matter of Russia broadly, not to traumatize you, Senator, with multiple 2012 flashbacks, however, I'm so old that I remember you identified Russia as the top geopolitical adversary of the United States when you were running for president, and that was met with gales of laughter and scorn and ridicule, including from this famous voice in Cut 50.
2: Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that al-Qaeda is a threat. Because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia, not Al Qaeda. You said Russia in the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know the Cold War has been over for 20 years.
1: Do you feel vindicated these days, Senator, based on your assessment of Putin at that time?
0: Well, I I don't worry about vindication. I know I was right, which is that uh, Russia at the time was our number one geopolitical uh, adversary in that they were blocking us in every initiative uh, we undertook. They were supporting the world's worst actors, uh, whether that was in Venezuela or other places, uh, North Korea, of course. Uh, That didn't mean they were our, our biggest threat. It's interesting how Sometimes people quote you, but they don't quote you exactly right. In this case, Barack Obama suggested that I thought Russia was our biggest threat. I said, no, uh, actually, Iran and al-Qaeda was our biggest threat at the time. But Russia was our geopolitical adversary, meaning they were playing geopolitics against us. Now, things are different today, of course. Russia still plays that role. But China is the greatest um, uh, challenge to American leadership. uh, And uh, that is something which is increasingly clear, I think, to people on both sides of the aisle.
1: And we're going to come back to China in just a moment. But you're right. Sometimes people will quote words or quote a paraphrase that actually distorts what was said. In the case of this interview today, we played the exact words of President Biden on Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis, and he's the one insisting that we didn't hear precisely what he said out loud for everyone uh, to understand what the meaning was. On the issue that he was addressing in that speech down in Georgia last week, so-called voting rights and then advocating for the filibuster to be blown up in the U.S. Senate. That battle came to an end last night on the floor of the Senate, 52 to 48, really by a thread. The Senate hung on to really its fundamental core as the cooling saucer of this process, our democratic process in our republic. Only two members of the other party voted with every Republican to maintain a tool, the filibuster, that Democrats have used hundreds of times in recent years. They used it last week, as a matter of fact. They have called it vital to our democracy, a guardrail. Chuck Schumer used that term. He said they had to build a firewall around it to protect it back when Republicans were in charge. Thirty Senate Democrats signed a letter during the Trump administration insisting that the filibuster be maintained, as is, no changes, almost every single one of them. The only exception on that letter, Joe Manchin flip-flopped and changed their position, really with the thinnest of veneers as their excuse last night, 48 out of 50. I just want to ask what your reflections are now that that experiment has failed. And also, given just the brazenness of their reversal, On something that they were passionately in favor of, the filibuster, and then the first opportunity they had to get rid of it for their own expedient power, almost every one of them lined up to do it, even those who signed the letter, even the guy who spearheaded the letter, Chris Coons, they all did it except for Manchin. Does that give you pause in trusting them to perhaps work with them on other matters in the future, given the value of their word?
0: What I have learned uh, through my life, not just uh, last night, but over the years, is that when a person is confronted with an item of extraordinary personal interest, which may go against their fundamental principles, it's remarkable to see how the mind begins to work to rationalize doing what's in your personal interest. And that I see time and time again. And I wish I could say it's never happened to me or to anybody else I respect, but you got to guard against it. And I'm afraid too many people went along, one, because they were pressured by leadership, two, because it was popular uh, with their base and with the people on MSNBC. Uh, and uh, I, I was a little surprised that more people did not say, you know what, I signed the letter insisting on keeping the filibuster. Uh, only three years ago, I'm going to abide by what I said and signed at that time. And I respect, I'll tell you, I respect Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. I think they demonstrated some of the extraordinary, perhaps the most extraordinary uh, political courage I've seen during my political career.
1: Did you say that to them personally?
0: I did, actually, and uh, was able to shake uh, Kirsten Cinema's hand uh, before she left the floor. Joe Manchin got out of there in a hurry, uh, but <laughs> I saw him today and expressed that to him when I saw him.
1: Our guest is Senator Mitt Romney of Utah on The Guy Benson Show. More with the senator right after this break. I'm Guy Benson, joined by Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney. President Biden suggested twice during the press conference yesterday that unless the Democrats could get this federal takeover, so-called voting rights scheme through, they want to do it with zero. And you pointed this out, I think, very well, very eloquently in one of your floor speeches. You said they want no Republican input whatsoever, no Republican buy-in. They weren't even allowing amendments to be proposed to a completely partisan rewrite of our entire election law regime in this country. And they want to break the Senate rules in order to do it. It's really a breathtaking thing that they just attempted, falling, again, just short of achieving it. Biden suggested that absent those changes that the Democrats want, with, again, zero bipartisan uh, cooperation, He's not so sure if future elections will be free and fair and legitimate in this country. He was pressed on it about 2022 and beyond. He said that he wasn't ready to say that they would be legitimate. He said that they might be illegitimate. It depends on certain things. Kind of felt like some blackmail. Do this partisan radical thing that I demand, or maybe democracy will be dead. He was casting doubt on the fairness and legitimacy of our elections. He was asked about... That same issue again on a follow-up, an opportunity for a mulligan when a reporter circled back on it, but he doubled down in cut 26. You said that it depends. Uh, do, you, do you think that they would in any way be illegitimate? Oh,
2: yeah, I think it easily easily be, be illegitimate. Imagine, imagine if, in fact, Trump has succeeded in convincing Pence to not count the votes. Uh,
1: imagine uh, if... In, in regards to 2022, sir, the oh, 2022.
2: Election. I mean, uh, uh, imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit. You have to recount it, and we're not going to count—we're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, it, it, I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase in the prospect of being illegitimate is a direct proportion to us not being able to get these, these reforms passed.
1: So the legitimacy of the elections in the president's mind depend on the so-called reforms that he wants being passed. They have not been passed. The vice president seemed to echo this sentiment this morning on national television. The White House press secretary says, no, no, that's not what they really mean. But the majority whip in the House, Jim Clyburn, said, no, that's exactly what we mean. I wonder what you make of these high-ranking Democrats sort of undermining – Americans' faith in our democratic process and the electoral system if they don't get their way. I I could have sworn that they spent the last year or so telling us this was the most reckless, irresponsible thing that a leader could do.
0: Well, it is a uh, a damaging um, uh, assertion, and we've been down this road before, uh, and that is that when you have a president of the United States uh, suggesting that uh, elections are il- illegitimate in the democracy, which is the leading democracy in the world, it doesn't give much hope for people in other countries. And it certainly makes people in this country wonder whether they should spend the time to go out and vote. So it's a very unfortunate thing to happen on either side of the aisle. Uh, you are right. Uh, the Democrats decried this when it came from Republicans and from President Trump. And yet they're going down the same path. And they may say, well, wait, we're not the same as Donald Trump. And that's true. They're not the same as Donald Trump. They're different people and they have different values and perspectives and issues. But they're doing the same thing and it has the same consequence. And the reality is that elections in our country uh, are not perfect. Of course, you can't have perfection, but they come very close to being as, as legitimate and fair as you can have. And the results that come up out of the
1: election, which has been demonstrated by audits, are fair and accurate should biden come out and say that and say i was wrong and i shouldn't have suggested otherwise well, I think uh, both President Biden
0: and President Trump uh, had a have a policy of of never apologizing, and uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's not fair. President uh, President Biden did did apologize for not having enough tests made in his conference yesterday uh, for COVID, but uh, I I think it's unlikely that that President Biden will come out and say that. But uh, he he will he will certainly emphasize. Uh, a greater degree of confidence in the elections. And now that his favorite election reform bill uh, was defeated. Uh, and uh, and now we can actually talk about what things our country does need to improve our system. That, improvement is always appropriate. But the idea that somehow our elections are illegitimate unless we get our way, that, that's simply unacceptable.
1: Very briefly and finally, Senator, you mentioned China. The Olympics are upcoming in Beijing. We've talked about this before. You have a long history with the Olympics back in the Salt Lake City Games. We've seen athletes being urged not to bring their personal devices for fear of spying and espionage from the Chinese. We saw a quote from a Chinese official threatening athletes if they speak out or do anything that would violate the spirit of the Olympics or Chinese law that there could be consequences for those athletes. Your take on that briefly, sir.
0: Well, first of all, I I think it's irresponsible for the International Olympic Committee to grant an Olympics to an authoritarian state and particularly a state like China, which is executing uh, a a genocide in their nation, uh, which is repressing minorities and which has put in place laws which which threaten the athletes themselves. Uh, Sending the games there was irresponsible. And I know they've taken action. I've spoken with the head, Dr. Bach of the IOC, uh, about this. I believe they've taken action to prevent something of this nature from happening in the future. But we are where we are. Uh, our athletes have a tough decision to make. They're going to make it individually, but most of them have sacrificed their entire life to be ready right now to participate in the Olympics. And, and I don't want to penalize those, those athletes that want to compete uh, and do so representing our country. And frankly, I'm looking forward to hearing our national anthem played in China.
1: Senator Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah, we really appreciate your time with us today, sir, and we look forward to next time we have a chance to chat. Thanks, Guy. Good to be with you. You bet. Pitt Romney on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back.
0: That was this week's edition of The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.